Hey, got questions? We are putting together a listener question episode. So call and leave us a voicemail with your question and we will answer as many as we can. Call 803-900-5252. 803-900-5252. I'm Christian Bush. And I'm Cindy Watts. Welcome to our podcast, 52. I turned 52 this year, believe it or not, and I am releasing 52 songs to celebrate. This podcast looks at the relationship between my 52 new songs and 52 of my most popular songs from my back catalog with plenty of stories and laughs along the way. All right, the dad joke that you wrote. <laughs> you met the challenge. Let's I did hear meet it. the challenge. Uh, and uh, Okay, you ready? I'm ready. A history degree is useless. There's just no future in it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's a good one. If this music thing doesn't work out for That's you. That's right. There you go. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I mean, a dad joke is it, it it's important. It is. It's important, but the amount of eye roll is is really. And then there's the head shake that goes with the eye roll. Like sometimes my daughter just just shakes her head. She doesn't even bother with rolling her eyes. Say, but can you do them both at the same time? Oh, I, I'm sure it's like whistling and eating ice cream that they're mutually exclusive. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know that you can. <laughs> I'm trying, people. You can't see it, but I'm trying. How have you been since we last spoke? Uh, lovely. Yeah, I've been anxiously awaiting that dad joke, and it did not disappoint. <laughs> well, I, I like to deliver. Yes, there was a. a uh, an early choice um, to be uh, a, a band. And, and I, I would always come up with a band name, like silly band names. My brother does it great. And of course this started when I was a kid and I was like, can we be the mailman? Because we deliver. Oh my gosh. It's <laughs> nothing like a 13 year old boy. Like started to say, I know yeah, it's bad. All right. Well, how about this uh, on the, the comparison, uh, what do we call them now? They're not really comparison because we're not comparing one song to another. No, they're, they're relationships. They're, they're the... Um, they're pairings. They're pairings. Yes. yes. Like wine and cheese. Like wine and cheese. Um, <laughs> they are connected this time because I wrote these songs with the same co-writer. Very good. Um, and the song we're discussing from 52 today is called Gasoline. And the historical song that I've connected it to is um, literally Sugarland's first number one song, which is Want To. Also wrote that with Bobby Pinson. Um, it is the same man that I co-wrote Gasoline with. And now that you know this, you'll start to go, oh. That's exactly what's happening in my brain right now. <laughs> huh? Yeah. So everybody, the way that manifests in Cindy Watts is the way that her eyes blink <laughs> is a calculation of her like you're watching things process but it happens with eye blinks <laughs> see I'm going to be conscious about that from okay. this day forward well what, what what is it that drew you to the song gasoline you said you always like that one I do you know honestly what it was there's something about that song that just felt 
you're gonna think this is weird. It just that song just felt like home. Huh. Um, I think I like the title, and then when I listened to it, it it was just I don't know. It was just I don't know if comfortable is the right word. Yeah. But it made my brain happy. Oh, that's great. I I had invited Bobby down to Atlanta to revisit the exact same room that we wrote want to in. Oh, and he had not been back. And, um, for, uh, you know, he was a part of a lot of those Sugarland hits because on the, the bus, the, the bus trip that he took with us where we wrote, um, it happens and, and all I want to do and, uh, already gone was like a two day bus trip or something or a three day bus trip. And, and we wrote another song on there that I really liked called keep you. And it was one of these things where, um, you, you, we were on tour and he had to come out and write with us. But during that time, he and I bonded in a way that was like, he was confused as to why we didn't call him for the incredible machine record. And I was just, I had to explain to him, we didn't call anybody, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't about him. And so he and I'd really never gotten to work again together. And so I was like, Hey, let's, let's see if we've still got it, you know? And, uh, he showed up and we wrote, I don't know, two or three songs, but one of them was gasoline. And I, I love the first line of it, which is, uh, you know it when you smell it. Cause it gasoline is such a unique smell. And then you, I love the idea of how powerful, um, a memory machine uh, works when you start it with a smell like mm-hmm. whew, you can go right back. Well, see, so for me, my dad was a, or is a car mechanic and he was always working on cars in the garage attached to the house. So I grew up constantly smelling like gasoline and grease were like, you know, some people's houses smelled like vanilla and apple pie, but not mine. <laughs> wow. So when I saw that title. That's where my brain went. And then when I heard the lyrics, I mean, that's absolutely where my heart went. Oh my God. I love this. I, I, I had no idea. Yeah. All right. Well, right. Let's listen to the song. Let's this is uh, gasoline. Gasoline. Yesterday, yeah. 
So my biggest issue with the song and it would it needs to say Chevrolet instead of Ford and I realize that would screw up the rhyme scheme but really you know it's a it's a conversation it's a conversation It's been a minute since I've heard that so I was I was getting lost there It's great Yeah uh, man we wrote the crap out of that lyric You did You absolutely I did I just I just went by it was the it can burn a pile of smiles faster than you can say yesterday. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. And uh, Bobby's like that though. Like, I-, I love that. He's just never afraid to go further, trying to make it feel good. Um, and, and, and it's different than a song like all I want to do where that's melodically feels good. Right. Right. But, uh, to get words that feel like they're important and they just glide right through. Like you're just not even really hearing the density of the brownie you're eating. You know, it's like, wow. After, and it's not even flashy. It, it stays out of its own way. Like, don't look at me. Don't look at me. And you're like, wow, I just can't not hear that. Cause uh, the Ford line. Yes. But faster you could feed that Ford. So it was the F's that mm-hmm. he's playing with. And I just know him well enough that he's playing with that. Yep. You know, it, <clears throat> I think like, I think about my nine year old son when I hear that song, who's obsessed with cars and my dad, and then just all of the lyrical candy <laughs> that, that you all put in there is just, it it is it is one of those songs that I feel like every time you listen to it for a long time, you're going to hear something new in it right. that makes you want to engage more. And we don't have a whole lot of songs like that in country music where the lyrics are just super tight and super smart. We have a whole lot of storytelling songs, but there's different ways to tell stories. And I think the way that you all told this one and this feeling is really unique i love that um i i I, when i'm connecting this to want to yeah um it is similar in a way where it's about that particular time 
in your life where you are, you're in discovery of yourself in relationship. You know, the gasoline takes you down a road with her. You'd never been. Mm-hmm. And you know that you're never going to be the same again. That's exactly the same ground that we were walking across with the, with want to the song. So you and Bobby write about sex. <laughs> well, actually it was really interesting when we were writing want to, I remember this conversation, um, of when we were writing, uh, that was the first time he had come down and he was really just still an artist. He had not really flipped over into the, I'm a songwriter place, though he considered himself songwriter. So we did a little arm wrestling for what was going to happen in the song. (laughs) And I remember Jennifer calling me, I was on my way back to the house and my phone rang and I'm in the car, of course. And, uh, she's like, "I I don't know if the song needs to go where Bobby wants it to go, but tomorrow can we, you know, I said, well, it really feels to me like it's just a decision. Do they have sex or not? And if, if we've decided that in Sugarland, it's okay to have sex, then because in the first album in Sugarland, if you'll notice, none of that happens. Like we had a moral structure. <laughs> you had which, a moral structure. Well, we did. And, yeah. and, and it was, it, it, it was very interesting. You know, it was like one of the things that that sort of defined the band, right? You know, was we were picking topics that were more human than they were gender specific, mm-hmm. you know. And now we were branching into on the second record, we had just, you know, it become a duo instead of a trio, and there was all sorts of adjustments we were making. And one of them was essentially when we were writing this song, her calling me, and I think it really had a real impact. Which was, yeah, I think they should have sex because it shouldn't be about the tension of whether you have sex or not. Right. Cause that is a different kind of attention mm-hmm. and tension. Right. So, um, after we came back and Bobby's like, okay, okay, okay. You know, you can imagine him. And then we wrote the crap out of it, but want to lyrically is actually my life. I don't know if you know this, but, um, that first verse <laughs> about the boat and the cooler and the and your daddy's boat and all that stuff. That was my girlfriend in high school that I had for a very brief amount of time that I really wanted to be her boyfriend. Like this was, I'd been with the same girlfriend for a long time. And I was like, I was really trying this new moment and, uh, and it scared me to death. Like she was just, she wanted to go uh, like uh, water skiing. And I was like, cool. Do you need a bathing suit? She's like, nope. I'll just wear my jeans. I was like, you're going to get wet jeans. Oh, you're going to take off your, oh no. Okay. We're gonna, <laughs> we're getting in trouble. Like I, it was one of those things like I, if, if anything I could do, I was very well versed in how to stay out of trouble. <laughs> like I could see it coming. Like, miles away and with her I just couldn't stop myself and I was like 15 years old like it was not right and um so that's in the first verse and then in the second verse the uh got a ring around your neck and a couple of nights you won't forget and a shirt that smells like me when Jill asked me to marry her on stage at Eddie's Attic and gave me her baby ring to wear around my neck and I gave her my shirt and the degree is her master's degree that she was getting at the time. And we just gender flipped everything. And you, you process it still to this day as Jennifer talking about her own life. Right. But it's actually 
those details are all from my life. So when you perform that song, do you still think of it that way? Do you, do oh, you yeah. think of it like I'm singing about my life? Yeah. That's really interesting. I kind of can't I I, I I I can't un I mean it's it's so real because they're those details are so exact. Yeah. So is it when you're writing a song like that and it's and it's clearly super personal, is there something in your brain that goes Oh, that may be a little close. Or you're like, no, we're just going to go there. Uh, isn't that what you're supposed to do? I think it depends on who you ask. Oh, um, I, I, I think if you know it to be true, then it's a more believable lyric for sure. You know, like, so I, I don't mind. I, I actually prefer not making it up. I would prefer it be something I know about than something I don't know about. I just wrote a story yesterday about a song that came out and actually a couple recently where the artists were like, when I wrote this, it was so personal. I was not going to be able to sing it. And it took them years to be able to do it. Yeah. I have a song like that. Well, now I have to ask you what it is. <laughs> I'll play it for you at some point. But it's the kind of song where, and because it's so personal, my concern is that I can't get through it. So right. why would I release it? Because I can't even sing it. Yep. Like getting through the demo was hard enough. Um, actually, I did that once. Uh, uh, I was thinking about um, uh, releasing it at some point. There was a, a, a song that I wrote uh, about on, on new year's day because I needed to feel like I was getting through, um, my life. You texted that to me. Did I? When you wrote it, it, it was insane. And, and what's crazy about it is I was telling the abs. I was like, I need to write today and I need to write the real truth. And it scared the death out of me when I heard it back because it was so true. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's like, uh, it's an odd feeling. And one of the lyrics in it, I now I, I listen to it all the time because I, I, I said, I, I need to go find my dad and write down all his stories before he dies. And then that's the year he died. Was that after that song? And I was like, Oh, <laughs> but yeah, I think that when you, when you tell the truth, it's, I think it's, it, 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 it sounds different. It Even, resonates on a different level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and if you're the singer and you can actually get the truth out, your truth, um, sometimes that that's all it takes. And then you get to watch the world celebrate your life. <laughs> right. You know? It was it was one of my most ex, uh, exciting um, moments of COVID was I heard a song that had been released in like month three or four of COVID that somebody had written. Maybe it was like month six or seven. It was once the the vaccines were starting mm-hmm. about a girl and a guy and it, she's singing it and she's singing about the car ride to the stadium where they're going to wait in line to get vaccinated and think about, did we start this relationship because we were scared that we were going to die? And what do we do after we get our vaccine? going to break up 
And it was the most honest conversation I had heard in a song in a very long time. And I, it struck me. I was like, wow. Oh, I'm now listening to the inside of your head. Right. I, <laughs> I want to go listen to that I, song now. Yeah, that's amazing. I'll, I'll play it for you later. But um, I think that's why when you, you know you hear details like this or you get situations like this, especially, you know, I've just told you about want to in a way that probably you didn't know before. Right. So when you hear it go by, um, there's a certain amount of I get to hide behind the fact that I'm not having to sing it. Jennifer does. <laughs> right. So there's a little bit of like protection for myself because I'm removed. Um, but now when you hear me sing like background vocals on certain lines, you'll be like, Oh, I see what you're doing now. You're using the highlighter, you know, I love that you're using the highlighter. <laughs> actually, you know what? Um, with want to, I, I actually may have the writing taped to this cause I, for whatever reason, I save all the audio in my life, like a pack rat. I think it's like, uh, I don't think I did it on my on my phone, but I, I think it was maybe on my computer. Like oh. I let the computer record it back in 2008. I love that. Yeah, let me see if I can find it. Yeah. Oh, this is it. Check it out. So it's me and Bobby and Jennifer sitting in that little room in Atlanta. I already had the mandolin part for sure. <laughs> so I say it's so interesting because it's it's so similar. <laughs> yeah. She was playing guitar too. She was playing acoustic guitar on this. So was Bobby. is it that you write a song you demo it that day and the finished product is that similar oh, to that the it demo. didn't change much yeah yeah um well with sugarland songs that's actually quite com- more common than you might think because jennifer's just such a good singer that her like writing tapes <laughs> sound like that right um but it's usually because we're working it out for a while. Well, how while long we're, I mean, I mean, we it took us a day to write that song, maybe, or or two sessions of maybe a couple hours, so probably about four hours to write the song once we got going on it. And um, but like, what's cool about that is I'm not sure even the melodies. Like, we didn't even go back and change any of that. Like, we were once we heard it, we were like a baby bird imprinting on a 
and an idea we're like okay then that 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 must be the truth <laughs> oh no that's what i'm saying it's it's identical i mean it sounds like i mean yeah that's amazing it might even be the same key i don't know let's listen to the actual recording let's do it okay change of clothes let's jump and see how far it goes you got my heart in your daddy's boat we got on that to make it flow we could sit on the shore we could just be I don't know. It's it. It's interesting how you were able to make a song that is so relatable and serious in one perspective, but fun in another. It's like you married all of the things. <laughs> married all of the things. Stitched them all together. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I. 
I'm really just amazed by that song. Um, I, I love how it says what it says because you're using it in sort of a traditional, and what I consider a traditional country music songwriting, yeah. which is you're using the words, I don't want to if you don't want to, both directions. Like, I don't want to stop if you don't want to stop. I don't want to go if you don't want to go, right? And I, I, not only is it clever, which is something that I've always, like, I attempt to be as uh, respectful of my listener as possible, which means I don't need to make a wordle that you have to solve, (laughs) you know, but I, I do want you to have, um, uh, repeat joy, right? So that if you watch a, you know, there's some movies you'll watch more than once and some you will only watch once. True. Right. And I've always loved this weird reality where you're asking a song to be played on the radio over and over and over again. And if you are, um, then I want you to have a, a, I want it to change the way it, it reads to you over time. So that it's not just the one time you listen to it and, and it, maybe it means something different later, or maybe it, you hear something you didn't hear before because I had been a kid listening to records and the songs and the recordings that stood the test of time for me were ones that I just could keep unfolding somehow. Like there was a new Easter egg in every kind of listen, which is, is, you know, kind of what I was talking about with gasoline too. It's like every time you hear it, it's, I feel like there's going to be a new phrase <laughs> that pops out or new, you know, lyrical turns like, Oh, that's really interesting. And want to is the same way. It's like the same people wrote it or something. <laughs> You know, I, 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 one of the things that I love about this song is it's actually our first number one. Which is crazy because I would be willing to bet that you could ask most country music critics out there what Sugarland's first number one song was. And the answer would probably not be want to. No, it's a d- definitely a trivia question because something more went to number two and baby girl only went to number two and like... And what was interesting about it is that it was, it, it we had already stopped worrying, <laughs> you know, because we were like, well, it doesn't really matter if you get a number one song or not. Look, it we got a career out of this, which means we don't have to go do our other jobs, which right. means this is great. So um, whatever it is you guys are being bothered by, by this not being a number one song, go ahead and let it bother you, but it's not bothering us. And the closer in we got on this conversation, it it just made us start to release the concern over all that just a little bit, you know? And then when this song came out and it went to number one on the radio, I was not only um, flabbergasted, but I was like, wow, not only that, we did it just the two of us. And we had just been going through the last six months of when this came out of, oh man, you guys are going to fall. Like you're going to fail. Like you went from a trio to a duo and that's already near impossible to pull off. And then, and, and so just the fact that it did the opposite of fail, it gave us like a, a, our first number one and as a producer. So we co-produced this record with Byron. I don't think he might even remembers it, but it's my first as a, 
in country music as an artist, as a songwriter, and also as a producer. So I, it's always meant a lot to me. Wow. Because now you hear the writing tape. I had already made the decisions that go into how is this music going to go? I mean, it is, and it is your story. I mean, yeah. want to is Christian Bush, <laughs> you know, in, in song. When that song went number one, did it change the way you looked at number one songs? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, yeah. it did. Yeah. Because you think you want them to be number one. Because <laughs> who doesn't? Uh, yeah. I, I think that it, it it suddenly made more sense to me why everyone was pushing so hard and why it was a, a, a badge mm-hmm. of, of um, success completion or something. Um, it, it still is not a, 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 a thing that I, I aim at all the time because I, the more distance I get away from, uh, those those Sugarland times, the more I see how impossible what we did is. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, you know, you have to once you start getting a like when you're in it, it felt impossible all the time, and then and then people are like, "Well, this is just what you guys do, right? You just you write number one songs." I'm like, actually, no, <laughs> we don't. But we have gotten very fortunate here in a row, and. And to have those all be your own ideas and your own stories, that's also unheard of. So, well, and it's more than that because not only do you, you know, Sugarland writes number one songs, you also didn't particularly overwrite when you're writing for Sugarland. It's like you knew what you wanted to do and you executed it. So you were able to achieve that without a whole lot of extra energy expended on the wrong thing. So it's like you were so focused on. And knew your brand so well and understood the genre so well, even though you were working out of Atlanta instead of Nashville, that the everything that you put out worked. Like, and how often does that happen? I mean, you know, people talk weird. Yeah. People talk (laughs) all the time about, you know, their producers. You're talking about a badge of honor. Wear it like a badge of honor. We had to listen to 4,000 songs to land on these 10. Whereas you all, Wrote 10. Right. There weren't, you know. Right. I I remember taking, um, the head of the label was Luke Lewis at the time. And he was like, so do you guys uh, have the songs you need? And I was like, yeah, I think so. He's like, will you play me one? I said, okay. Well, we haven't demoed them. That's all right. Well, why don't you let me demo them? So I think we went in and did a demo of this song (laughs) and then I played it for him in his car and he got through the song and he was like, that'll do go make a record. (laughs) That's awesome. He didn't hear a single other song on it. He didn't hear. And remember it was all in that second record was like, um, settling and, uh, stay and all that stuff was on that second record. And he didn't hear any, he didn't want to hear any of it. He just said, you do it. Just go make the record. And I, I have forever during my times where I'm on my knees praying to thanks to the music gods. I always offer it to the people that give us permission to make things without telling us what to do. Right. And it may be because we carry around the responsibility a lot. Yeah. It was like, it would kill us to let you down. 
so we're not gonna, <laughs> right. if we, if, if, you know, um, and, and, and I, I, that's the sophomore record and I know how hard that is to make. Oh yeah. Because right. The, the, the party line is you have your entire life to create your first album and a year to make the second. Yeah. And, well, less. and the thing that I think most people don't even talk about, um, artists will talk about it, but nobody else will is when you get to your second record, there's a chance that you've either succeeded on your first record or you haven't. Right. And, and in both cases, whichever fork in that road you've taken, if you've succeeded, you have this like, well, now I'm going to make the record I want to make. Right. Which you inevitably blow your own foot off. Right. <laughs> you're true. You just, you just completely screw the pooch because you think you're now an art person. You need to be making art because no one's taking me seriously. Right. Uh, and then the other way to have done it is you had a first record that failed. So now you have to have a second first record. Right. And that, and that pressure is also absolutely insane because you think this is your last shot. So whenever people put out their second records, hug them for sure. Because either way they got there, uh, I try to remind artists, you get to make a second record. You get to, this is a privilege. It is an honor and you must treat it with respect. Don't start thinking you're important and don't start thinking it's all over. Right. And, and that's, had I not had those experiences in Billy Pilgrim, I don't think I would have ever been able to make the second record for Sugarland as well. And under such pressure and as clearly as we made it. Wow. Oh, wow. Well, we got totally into that. I just realized I was preaching second record games. Um, but it's, but the thing is, is that it's super valid and, you know, a lot of people deal with that and, I know. and fans don't see it. Yeah. Fans don't see it. And, and, and the, and the people who, you know, the other, the other side of that is that the people who succeeded on the first album, but feel like they succeeded with songs that they didn't love. And then now they have the opportunity to put out stuff that they do. And then when that doesn't work. Yeah. Then it really hurts your feelings. And that's a doctor bill. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Ooh. Well, I, I, as, as, as weird as it all is, um, it is based on songs. I Absolutely. think, I think you're exactly right. And, um, and I think that's why after this, you know, we, we wrote this song with Bobby, we invited him back. We we're like, Oh, we, we wrote well together, you know? And, um, I think that's why I, I, I keep returning to some of these guys is, uh, I feel like I have more to learn and I feel like there's some sort of weird, like unseen spark going on, you know, when you create with somebody and, and you have the history in your brain of it being a successful creation, it it helps you get away from your ego, (laughs) you know, so you can get everything out of the way. That's not about you or not about today or money or anything. like. what do we want to write about? And what is that going to feel like? Um, and I think that's why Bobby Penson, uh, I think that's why that works with me <laughs> is somehow we've succeeded enough that, uh, when we revisited and wrote gasoline, we wrote three or four other songs that day. Um, it felt 
so good because it's back before you ever did this and nailed it. <laughs> yeah, you were. You liked each other. You 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 wanted to make things with each other. Well, it's it's funny because it's like all the way back to the beginning of the podcast when you're like, why do you like that song? It's like, well, you know, for me, it felt like going home because it felt like you were going home when you wrote it. Oh, look at you. Gosh, you're like a journalist or something. I don't know how that happened. (laughs) Well, this was fun. Let's do it again. Let's. Okay. Bye, Cindy. Hey, everybody. Christian Bush here. Cindy Watts. And we would like to thank you for joining us for another episode of 52. If you'd like to write us with questions or comments, you can contact us at 52thepodcast at gmail.com. That is the number 52. Also, remember, the best way to help us is to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Please and thank you. You can follow me at Christian Bush on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can follow Cindy at Cindy Watts on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well. Thank you for listening, and please join us next week.